Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you are doing really well, whether you're in the room or you're checking in online. We're so grateful that you're here. Um, and I want to take you on a bit of a journey that I've been on and a discovery that I've made that has changed the way I see faith, do faith, live out my faith. And I think it's something that I know it's impacted me a whole bunch. And I think it's something that will probably be relevant and important in your life as well. That's my guess. That's uh, my hope. Before we get to that, though, I do want to let you in on the fact that next week we are starting a brand new series. And I am super excited about the series. We're calling it Two Rooms. And we're going to look at this idea that uh, since the very beginning of Christianity, there has been something that has hounded us as people uh, from the beginning of Christianity. It's like literally there, we're gonna look at some of the stuff and, and, and what's happened is, um, for some reason, us as people, we're always kind of tend to end up in one of these two rooms, if you will, one of these two ways of seeing faith, one of these two ways of seeing God. And one of these rooms, one of these ways is really attractive, really incredible, really life-changing, and really beautiful. The other one is oftentimes frustrating and hurtful for the people in the room and outside. In other words, for the people in church, church people, and people who are not church people. And, and yet, for some reason, from the beginning of Christianity, religious people so often tend to go towards this frustrating room. And so we're gonna look at that, and as we discover what these two rooms are, I am so excited to invite you to the room that is so beautiful and not to kind of live in this other room. And whether you're a Christian or not, if you're a Christian and you've been navigating faith for just a little bit of time or you've been doing it for a long time, I think this will be so relevant to you because we all bump into this. And if you're not a Christian, I'm so excited to be able to kind of paint a picture of what I think the Christianity is that Jesus invited us to. So if you can join us, two rooms starting next week, really excited about diving into that. Uh, back to today, like I said, I wanna take you on a little bit of a journey that I've been on in my life. It's a journey that I've kind of navigated. Didn't even know I was on this journey in some times, in some ways, but it's been an important journey and this discovery that I've made that has literally changed the way I see faith. Let me kind of go back to when I first sort of started thinking thinking growing up as a child, um, and it's something that I took into my adulthood as well, and maybe this is something you've done, but I have always tried to live my life and be the strong one. The way I try to live my life is I wanted to be the strong one, the one who was capable, and the one who knew all the answers, the one who others could rely on, the one who helped others, and the one who didn't need help from others. That's what I wanted to be. And I think there's a little bit of that in all of us. I mean, we all strive for independence and autonomy. I mean, there's a national holiday called Independence Day that sort of defines a lot of what we want to do. We want independence. We want autonomy. There's something in us. It's a very American thing, but I don't only think it's an American thing. I also think it's a human thing. I think we as humans want to look good. We want to be strong. We want to be seen as strong, as capable, and not needy, the one who others can go to, not the one who always comes to. We don't want to be seen that way. And in my family growing up, there were some circumstances and things that made me feel like I needed to be the one who held things together. And I took that feeling into life and I figured out how to be the one who can help, be the one who holds things together. And I took that into life. And I, I, I worked really hard at being that strong, capable, competent person. 
And then you discover faith, then I discovered faith, and you realize, I know me, and I know I don't live up to my own standards, let alone God's standards, and so when I discovered faith and I discovered God, I realized that even though I wanna be strong and competent and capable, I can't live up to his standards, so I do at least need God's help, and I realized that I need his forgiveness. As an imperfect human being, I did need the help from God and his forgiveness and his grace, and so I realized that in my desire to be the strong one, my desire to be the capable one, that I couldn't do it alone, but I needed him and his forgiveness and help. And then something came to mind. And again, this is not intentional. This is not something I I did on purpose, but it's kind of something that happened and I've realized it happened. I, I realized, okay, cool, I need God, but maybe if I have God, then I can be even better and even stronger, because if I've got God and he's changing me and helping me and saving me and forgiving me and teaching me, then I can be the one who doesn't need others. So I kind of set out to get to this place. And again, not on purpose, not intentionally, sort of by accident, I kind of set out to get to this place where he would be the only one I needed, that I wouldn't need anyone else. That, That if I have him, then I could be the strong one, the capable one, the competent one, the one that others can rely on, the one who gives help, not the one who gets help from others. That I could still find my independence, and in a way I would use him to be more independent and self-sufficient. Yes, I would need his help, but he would be the only one that I needed help. He would be my helper, and I would be the one that helps others. And I believe that if I had God, and he taught me and could change me and give me all the help I need, that, that that's who I could be. And so, and, and, and don't get me wrong, that's a beautiful thing that Christianity offers that God can help. We just sang about that. It's beautiful. And there were a whole bunch of scriptures that I would gravitate towards because I knew I needed God's help, but I wanted to then be competent and strong. There's one thing that King David, the most famous and revered king of Israel, wrote that depicted that he also needed help and he got his help from God. And I was drawn to this. In Psalm 70, verse five, it says this. As for me, David's saying this, as for me, I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. You are my help. You are the one who helps me. And my deliverer, Lord, do not delay. And so I'm drawn to this because there's something in me that wants to be strong and capable and competent. And David was king and this leader and he was a warrior and he was creative and other people relied on him. So I'm like, cool, I wanna be like David. He acknowledged his need of God, but he was the one who was awesome. So if I'm like him, I can need God, I can acknowledge that need and then I can be awesome too. And so I'm drawn to this and it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, it's beautiful to need God. But as we're gonna see today, that's not all that Christianity teaches. But as I'm wanting to be independent and the one who's strong, I'm drawn to these things. Yes, you are my help. Lord, you are, and then I'll be everybody else's help. I'll know all the answers, I'll take that. There's a bunch of verses, I'll just show you a few. Psalm 33 verse 20 says this, wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. And so I'm drawn to this going, yes, I need help, but God's gonna be the only one I get help from. I don't need other help. Psalm 121 verse one to two, I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. One more, Psalm Psalm 115 verse nine says this, all you Israelites, trust in the Lord. 
He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help. Over and over, these scriptures talk about how God gives the help we need. And in discovering this, I was so grateful. And maybe you're there too. If you're a Christian and you've discovered this, you're so grateful for the help and the love and the strength and the forgiveness and the hope that he brings. And I'm so grateful that Jesus came and lived and died for me to forgive me and to make a way for me to connect with God. It's amazing. It's awesome. And that help that he gives is truly, truly life-changing. But because I'm human (laughs) and because I'm a guy, because I have something in me that yearns for independence and autonomy, and there's something in me that wants to be the strong one, that wants to be the capable one, that wants to be seen as the one who others go to and can rely on, that doesn't want to be seen as the one who needs help, the one that has it all together. There's something in me that draws me there, that there is something in me that wanted to use God to get there. That Yes, he's my help, but he's my help so that I can not need help. Yes, I'll depend on him, but he's my help so that I can be self-sufficient. Didn't do it on purpose, didn't do it you know, intentionally, but that sort of is what built in me. And I don't know, but I think there's a little bit of that in all of us. There's something, I think, in all of us that wants to be seen as competent, that wants to be seen as the one who can help, not the one who needs help. There's something in us that when we need help, we feel like a burden. And I don't want to be a burden. (laughs) I don't want to feel like a burden. I don't want to be seen as a burden. I don't want to have burdens. There's something in me that thinks if I need others, then I'm weak. And I don't want to be weak. And I don't want to be seen as weak. And I think there's something in all of us that doesn't want to have burdens be a burden or be seen as weak. I think it's a really strong drive in most of us. And we feel weird and awkward but there's something in us that, that takes us there. And I think what we sometimes do when we don't want to f- be seen as weak is we focus in on the things that we're really good at. We focus on the things that we're the strongest at. And we look at those things. And what we sometimes do as well is we work really hard to prove that we are competent and capable and strong. And sometimes in order to do that, we have to compare our strengths to the weaknesses of others. And then if we're Christians, then we go, yes, and I have a strong faith in God and he helps me. And we talk about that, and that's a beautiful thing. It's so clear in Scripture that we do need God and all of that stuff, and we're going to look at that even more. But we do need God, but sometimes we do that. And and this is what I did. I began to dive into that beautiful reality of Christianity that I needed God and that He provided the help that I needed. I focused in on that so that I wouldn't need the help of others. And you know what happened? I began to miss out. I completely, I think, for a season in my life, missed out on another incredibly important part that Christianity also clearly teaches. The reality that, as a human being, I don't only need God, I need others. That as a human being, I will never not need God. Christianity teaches this. That I will never not need God and I will never not need others. 
that as a human being, I will always have burdens to carry and I will always need help from God and from others. We're gonna see how Christianity teaches this. We live in a broken world and there are always gonna be burdens that we carry and I will always need help from God and from others, even though I don't want that. (laughs) There's something in me that doesn't want to need help. And yet that's a very Christian thing. Contrary to what I thought, what I felt, the awkwardness, the shame, the, 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 the feeling of, oh my gosh, I need something, I feel weak. Contrary to all of that, it's actually a beautiful thing that Christianity teaches and it is actually exactly how God intended for you and me to be, to live as someone who needs God and who needs others. Let me show you where I get this. Let me show you what I mean by this. Um, We we looked at all those Psalms where it used the word help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Come, you are my help. All those, those Psalms. And every one of those Psalms that we looked at, the word help is the Hebrew word azer. And, and, that's the specific word, and the reason I bring it up is not because it has some fancy meaning, it means help, um, but, but the reason I bring it up is because that word, that exact Hebrew word is used in another place that reveals what I'm trying to say here, that we don't only need help from God, but we need help from others. And I wanna take you back to the first book in the Bible, Genesis, and in this book, we get a beautiful picture of how God, how Christianity teaches that God created our world and designed us to be. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian or you struggle to believe that God created the world the way that this you know, first, second, third chapter of Genesis says it, that's okay. We never wanna pressure anybody to believe anything they don't believe, so if you don't believe it, that's okay. What I wanna show you is I wanna show you that there is something interesting that in this teaching, in this account of creation, that Christianity teaches something about you and me, and I think you'll resonate with it. So if you don't believe that, that's okay. Maybe that's a conversation we can have another day, but, but no problem there. But in this account, we see that, that the author of this uses this word, azer, help. The same word that it was, God is my help. God is my help. Where does my help come from? It comes from God. God, you're my help. So God is the one who provides azer, help. There's another place that we get that same help from. And he, we see it in this. Let me paint the picture of creation. Christianity teaches that God, when he created the world, he created it perfectly. There was no pain, no suffering, It was perfect, it was beautiful, there was nothing wrong. In fact, in the first chapter of of Genesis, you see over and over and over again, six times it said, and God saw that it was good. Every time he made something, it says, and God saw that it was good. Genesis 1.31 sort of summarizes it, the last verse in chapter one, and says this, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. Everything that he had made was very, very good. So Christianity teaches that when God made the world and when he made us, things were perfect. There was no brokenness, no hurt, no pain, no suffering. There was no imperfection, but it never says there was no need. When things were perfect, it never says there was no need. In fact, and we won't go into this in detail, we'll have to talk about this another time, there was only one rule When everything was perfect, there was only one rule. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know, we can look at what that means and was that fruit magic and like when you eat it like, you know, Indiana Jones, weird things happen. No, it wasn't that. I think what it was saying is this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what I think it means is that according to Christianity, we were created to need God. 
for the knowledge of good and evil. We couldn't handle that. We couldn't navigate this world without his help. I think that's what it means. And when, our first, when the first humans ate of that fruit, we were basically saying, nah, I don't need you. I don't trust you. And I can do this by myself. But the point is that from the very beginning, from the very beginning, we were designed, we were created according to Christianity to need God, to live in dependence on him. Even before Christianity, what Christianity calls the fall, when things broke and it became not as perfect, because you look at the world now, you're like, where's this perfection? I wish it was like that. But even after, even before that fall, we needed God. We needed his help. That's clear, but that's not all. There's something else we needed because Christianity also teaches not just that we needed God, but we needed each other. Let me show you in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, that like everything, he created this, it was good. He created this, it was good. He created this, it was good. And yes, he looked at everything that he made, and indeed, it was very good. The first thing that it says was not good, we find in Genesis 2, verse 18, it says this, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And if you read this and everything else has been, it is good, it is good, it is good, this should stand out to you. What's not good? It is not good that man should be alone. The first thing God said that it was not good was us being alone, trying to navigate this alone. And it's in that context, in this world that was still perfect, that God makes very clear, not only do you need me, but you need something else. You need help in some other way. And then he uses this word azer, the same word that where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. We think that help is God's help. He uses the same word to say this. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. Azer, comparable to him. That sometimes as Christians we go, I just need God. And God's gonna change me and me and God, we're good and I'm great and then I can help everybody else. That's not what it said. <laughs> we need, in, in perfection, when the world was perfect, before the fall, before all the mess, when the world was perfect, it seems clear that God said, you need me to help and you need help from another human now, I know that this verse is referring to Eve and to marriage and God creating a wife for Adam and that being the most intimate and deepest uh, relationship for a man. If you're married for a woman, if you're married, that's the deepest and, and most um, needed relationship. But I think the principle goes further than just marriage. I think according to scripture, I think we can see this Christianity clearly teaches that we were never created to do this alone. It is not good for man to be alone. We were never created to get to the place, even though I try all the time to get to the place where I know enough and I don't need anymore. We we're never created to get there. We we're never created, even when things were perfect, we were never created to be enough, know enough, be strong enough, have enough experience to navigate life alone. Even in perfection, before the fall, it is not good for man to be alone. And Adam needed help, not just from God. <laughs> it's fascinating to me. Not just from God, but from another one comparable to him. Because while he, made, he was made perfectly, without a broken human nature, without flaws, 
He was made incomplete. And there's something in me that I've grown up with. I want to be complete. I want to not need. I want to not have burdens. I want to not need help from others. And yet I see very clearly, even when things were perfect, I'm incomplete. And it's even a little hard to say, hey guys, my name is Justin and I'm incomplete. (laughs) It's hard. But it seems true. It seems biblical. It seems scriptural. It seems like that's what Christianity teaches. He couldn't see everything. He didn't know everything. He wasn't strong enough to be everything. And I've discovered that there is something in me, and I'm actually so grateful I've discovered it, that there is something in me that's incomplete. And no matter how much education I get, no matter how much experience I get, no matter how much I read the Bible, I'm still incomplete, and I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it, but that's how it was supposed to be. I don't want to admit it, but that's how it was supposed to be. I want to not need. I want to be self-sufficient. Yes, others can need me, but I don't want to need others. There's something in me that's there, and yet the reality is what Christianity teaches, even in perfection, I do need others. I need encouragement. I'm not impervious to discouragement. I can't be strong all the time. I need that. I'm not impervious to temptation, to falling, to messing up. That's who we are. I need others to protect me. It's not good for man to be alone. I can't be be perfect. Trust me, I've tried. It didn't work, (laughs) and then I tried again, and it still didn't work. (laughs) I can't be perfect. I can't have all the perfect knowledge and wisdom and insight and direction. I want to, I try to, but I I can't. And you know what happens? Sometimes I pretend to. But when I pretend to have it all, that's when it gets dangerous for me and for others because that's when I make incomplete decisions. That's when I think I know everything. That's when I I won't be open to learning and growing, and that's when pride will grow in my heart, and I will begin to think I'm better than other people when I pretend. (laughs) And that's literally going against my design because I was designed, according to Christianity, to need God, not only God, and to need others. The reality is I'm not perfect. I don't have what it takes to be perfect. And what it seems like Christianity and scripture and common sense teaches is that I'm not supposed to be perfect. God clearly doesn't expect that of me. Otherwise, it would have said something different. When he made man, he said, whoa, now it's really good. No, the first thing he said, yes, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, but it's not good for man to be alone, not even when the world was perfect. It seems that God designed us to need others. When we were perfect, before the fall, and even more after the fall, when we were all born with this weakness that Christianity describes as the flesh, which is just a Bible term for that broken human nature that we have, that we drag around with us all the time, that seems to taint our best intentions and weakens our best efforts. We needed God and we needed people. When everything was perfect, how much more do we need God and people right now when things aren't perfect? The reality is we're too weak to do this alone. And the cool thing is, this is huge, Jesus knows that. He's not disappointed in you when you're like, I can't do it. 
He's like, I know that. I kind of made you that way. And there's more to it now. I know I'm not disappointed. I'm not surprised. That's who you are. And I'm so grateful. I think that's why he came to show us, to remind us, to tell us, to, to make a way to take care of that sin problem, the forgiveness, the connection with God, so we can get the help from God we need, but not to take away the help we need from others, because that was before the fall in perfection. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. But here's what Christianity also teaches, and I love this as well. In that context, to recognize it's not good for me to be alone, for man to be alone. He did make me, me, and he did make you, you. And he made me intentionally with all my giftings and with all my limitations. And he made you, you, with all your giftings and with all your limitations on purpose. The, the, the picture that Christianity often gives is that we're a part of a whole, a part of a body. And it's like this arm. It's a good arm. I like my arm. It does a good job. But if my arm was not connected and dependent on the rest of the body and the head, and my arm was lying on the stage over there, not only would it be super gross, but it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. And I would be less than because it's not connected and needing the body and the body needs it. It wouldn't work. But when this arm is connected and dependent on the head and the body, it functions the way it was meant to function. And the arm is a terrible nose. It has many weaknesses. It can't smell. It can't, it just can't, it can't see but it can be a great arm. And sometimes I get to this place where I'm like, oh my gosh, why do I have these limitations? I need to be better, I need to be perfect. And if you're always trying to be more than you were created to be, I've seen this, I've felt this, you will constantly feel insecure, not enough, not good enough, but we were created to be not enough. Before the fall, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. We were designed to need God and need each other. When we don't believe that, and, and again, again, I don't think this is on purpose. I think if you talk about it, you're like, yeah, I need people. But if you look at how you live, look at how you prove, look at how we pretend, look at how we hide, look at how we don't admit weakness, look at how we don't admit incompleteness, man, I know me, I don't want to need others. But it's not good for man to be alone. And if we live in that place, we will constantly feel frustrated and insecure. But, 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 if we rest in who he's made us to be with our giftings and our limitations, with our weakness and our need for others, when we live in the rest of the fact that we need him and need others for strength to live, to grow, to function properly, we will have peace. And we'll be able to be who we were meant to be, and we'll be able to grow more and learn more. We'll have deeper relationships because we won't be trying to prove that we're independent, self-sufficient, better than others. We won't have to hide those weaknesses because we think we're not supposed to have weaknesses when we live and rest in who we were made to be, that I am incomplete and I do need others. Not just God, Christians. Yes, I need God, and then I'm great. Nope, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> I need God, and I need others. 
It's not good for man to be alone. When we understand that we have peace in our relationships, we are better, an arm functions way better when it's connected and needs the rest of the body. And, and we will grow and we will learn and we'll be able to be who we were meant to be. One more example that I wanna show you um, of, of, because these words resonated with me so much as I was thinking through all this, an example of how we need God and we need others. Christianity doesn't, you know, it's this paradox, it's this, it's this conundrum, it's this, it's this marriage of needing God and others. It's not just others, it's not just God, it's this marriage of the two. But, but I told you earlier that I don't wanna have burdens and I don't wanna carry burdens and I don't wanna be a burden to anybody else. And so the scriptures that I'm drawn to are these beautiful ones like Psalm 55 verse 22 where it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. You're drawn to that if you're a Christian. You're like, yes, I will trust him and he will sustain me. And that's true and that's beautiful, but it's not everything because Galatians 6 verse 2 says this, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ, it seems like scripture clearly says we need God and we need others. It seems that we were designed to carry each other's burdens and have our burdens carried by others. Many times we're like, I'll carry your burdens, no problem. But we're not willing to have someone else carry our burdens because we're gonna show that we're strong and we don't need help. That's not true according to Christianity. When we carry each other's burdens and when we have our burdens carried by others, it seems like that's when we're fulfilling the law of Christ. Don't just cast your burdens on the Lord, but carry each other's burdens is what scripture and Christianity teaches. There's a beautiful picture of what this looks like and having burdens carried and not having burdens carried and, and, and carrying each other's burdens in Ecclesiastes chapter four where the author is like examining and evaluating life and he, he's kind of wrestling with it all and he says this in verse eight. He says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling? He asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. This guy had all the wealth in the world. He had everything he needed, but he didn't have any close relationships. It's a miserable business. And then he says this in verse nine, two are better than one because they have a return for their labor. If either of them falls down, and here's the reality, in this broken world, and because we carry around our broken human nature, all of us, at some point or another, more than once, are gonna fall. Either physically, morally, emotionally, spiritually, it just happens, me too. And he says, pity the one, anyone, verse, verse 10, if either of them falls down, no, uh, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up if there are two. And then he says, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. We are gonna fall. We live in a world that's gonna throw traps and difficulty and punch you in the face. It just is the broken world we live in and in our own hearts, we're gonna fall. Pity the one who doesn't have anyone to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It is not good for man to be alone. All over the scripture tells us that. Yes, it's not just the dependence and needing help from God, it's also clearly needing help 
from others. No matter how spiritual you are, no matter how much you know, no matter how much experience we have, it's not good for man to be alone. I read a book the other day called uh, On My Worst Day by John Lynch, and it was such a moving picture of, 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 of the reality that we need each other. I need people to protect me. I need help biblically, clearly, and life experience says that. But he said something in this book that, that just resonated with me personally. He said this. He said, his wife feels more loved when he needs her. And that resonated with me so much because I lived that. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be good and have all the answers. I wanted to know everything. <laughs> but that was such and is such a prideful way of living and of seeing myself. In trying to live that way, I made my wife less than me in my eyes. That I was stronger than her that I was better than her and that she needed me, but I didn't need her. That's how I kind of saw it, not intentionally, but that's how I saw it. And it caused obviously such a mess in our marriage. And, and when I discovered this reality that I need her, it changed everything. And, and here's the reality, my wife feels less judged, more equal, more loved when I need her, not when I'm self-sufficient. And I think when we as Christians, just to throw this in, when we as Christians live all self-sufficient, that I've got everything, we make people outside the church feel judged and less than as well. But that's what I did in my marriage. And, and, and she feels, when I, when I need her, and I see myself as someone who needs her, she feels less judged, more equal, more loved. So that's how she feels. But, but for me, I discovered something about me as well, because I felt like when I needed her that I would feel weak. But you know how I actually feel and what it actually does is I'm stronger and better and wiser when I live as someone who needs not just God's help, but it's not good for man to be alone. I will provide help, the same word for help from God and help from others. I am stronger, wiser, and better. The same principle, I think, goes beyond marriage to the community of people around us. And here's, here's the deal. When we're able to find a safe community, when we're able to find and live in a safe community of people around us who also recognize their need for others, that they aren't better than anyone, and they're designed to need God and to need others, it creates such strength and the kind of help we need, every one of us, to be who we were intended to be and to be who we wanna be. I've had people like that in my life for years and, and, and seen it and it's made me grow better and learn more and it's made me a better version of myself, a better husband, a better father, a better man, a better leader, a better me who God made me to be when I've needed and when other people have helped me do that and I'm so grateful for those people. But let me just acknowledge, finding that safe community, getting there, having those relationships is hard. It doesn't come easy because it takes effort, it takes time, and it takes risk because all of us have something in us that doesn't want to need and doesn't want to risk showing that we need. We have that in us, so it doesn't feel safe doing it. But when we find a safe place and when we risk it, acknowledging that we need, <laughs> and when we risk that, I'm telling you, our lives are different, our lives are better, we are able to be, I think, who God intended us to be. We really believe this as a church. 
We don't just say this, we don't just preach it, we don't just read the scriptures about it, we really believe this. We've designed our whole church around this idea. That's why our mission statement says, we'll put it up, to be a safe community. Our mission as a church is to be a safe community where anyone can discover, develop, and deepen a relationship with Jesus. We believe in safe community. We believe that's where we live, that's where we're the best version of ourselves, and we work really hard to provide that safe community for anyone who wants it. We're not perfect. Remember, we need each other, <laughs> and if we were perfect, we wouldn't need more, but we, this is messy sometimes, we're not perfect, but we are fighting for it, and we will always fight for this, because that is our mission. That's what we wanna do. The first thing we tell people when they come to Rock Point 101, when they ask, how do I take next steps? How do I get engaged? The first thing on the list is connect relationally and we wanna do everything we can. If you don't have that, we wanna do everything we can to provide a pathway for you to get to relationships like that. And that's why we do small groups as a church because we know it's not good for man to be alone. And sometimes Christians are like, me and God, we're great. No, 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 never, not even in perfection was that true. We need God and we need others. Now in this side of the mess and the brokenness of this world, we need God more and we need others more. That's why we have groups and, and we wanna provide a way. So if you're not in a group, we wanna provide a pathway for you to get there. In fact, right now, we're registering for new groups that are starting this fall. They're gonna be starting on September 12th. So you have, like it's open now, that's four weeks from today. And we're gonna give you an opportunity to sign up today. If you're not in a group, we want you to sign up for a group. We've got groups for everyone, for married couples, for singles, for men, for women, for college, for young adults. We've got groups for everyone. And so if you, and we're gonna put this up on the screen, if you wanna sign up for groups, please go to rockpointcc.org groups. At the end of the service, after I've dismissed, we'll put a QR code up as well so you can see that. But, but we would love for you to join. My wife and I have been doing groups forever. I remember the first group we actually joined in 2008 when we arrived in the States. We were doing groups before that. But we have some of our closest friends in our lives that have helped us navigate mess that we've been able to open up and say, man, I'm struggling. Still in our lives. We're so grateful for them. And the group was a pathway to get there. We wanna help you connect in a group. We'd love for you to do that because here's the deal, here's the deal. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not. We were never designed to do this alone. We need each other, every one of us. And it's, it's hard because we live in a world that tell us we don't need each other. We're in a world, our hearts tell us we don't need other people. And some of us, we've risked it and it hurt and it didn't work out, and they weren't safe, and it was hard, and I felt that, man, I've had some relationships that were horrible, and hard, and difficult, and you wanna close up, but man, I'm grateful I haven't, because there are some safe people who acknowledge the same thing that they need, and our hope is to continue to create that safe community with all of us as we navigate that, so that we can risk it for ourselves, and risk it for others, because in doing that, we may find a safe community and relationships that, that pick each other up when we fall, that bear one another's burdens, that provide the help comparable to us that God provides not just from him but from others and that continually point us to the hope in Jesus. That's, I believe, how God designed us to live, to be. That's what Christianity teaches. And so I wanna do everything I can to encourage you 
to ask you, would you, if you don't have relationships like that, would you get in a group? If you do have relationships like that, would you help us create more of those? Would you get in a group? Because it's not good for man to be alone. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for what you've done in me, that you kept chipping away at my own heart that said, I can be self-sufficient. I can do this. I don't need others. And sometimes it was heavy. Sometimes it was just a slight whisper. But thank you for breaking through into my heart to show me I do need others. My life is so much better because of it. Thank you. And Father, I pray for all of us that we will find and we will help create that safe community we can walk in that reality that yes, we get help from you, amazing, life-changing help, but we need help from others. It's not good for man to be alone. So help us navigate that and create that safe community. In Jesus' name, amen.